Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Short Shifts podcast presented by Keeping Carlson. I am your host, Louis Ezekiel. Joining me today, Elon Dubrovsky. Elon, how's it going, bud? What a swerve. I'm back, baby. I just did a show with Brian. I feel like we just finished it. It was such a long show, but here we are, ready for a short shift. And yeah, already a lot to talk about with just a couple days of action. Yeah, luckily, we have a very deep bench here on the Keeping Carlson Podcast Network. All right, well, let's get right into it. We gotta, we'll got we start with the somber stuff. We had um, some unpleasant news coming out of Chicago, a uh, really horrible situation. Um, we're glad to see certainly some accountability uh, in terms of the leadership of the Blackhawks team uh, that you know basically turned uh, a blind eye uh, to some of this uh, behavior that was taking place. Uh, you know, it's just a start, really, to the cultural problems that permeate hockey and sports in general. But we're at least happy to see things moving in the right direction. Uh, I put up a statement with Ben's approval on at Short Shifts KK if you want to hear about sort of our overall thinking. Uh, hockey and fantasy hockey should be for everyone. So we appreciate especially the ongoing and very thoughtful discussion uh, among our patrons on the subject. They've really taken... Um, you know, a kind of clear-eyed and, and open-minded approach, which has been really interesting to sort of see that debate develop. But uh, from there, we'll move on. We also had some COVID news out of Chicago, uh, and this is where we start to actually see some fantasy impact. Uh, Jonathan Taves and Henrik Borgstrom were held out of practice today, Tuesday, uh, for COVID protocol, and the COVID list in Chicago now includes that pair, along with Kane, Stillman, Kyra, and three coaches. I don't know how you feel about this, Elon. All of them, to me, are droppable, except Kane, in my opinion. And I, you talked about this with Brian earlier. I would not be starting Flurry anytime soon. I don't know if I would even be holding him on my roster at all, unless I was in a very deep league where goalies were few and far between. Yeah, Marc-Andre Flurry is very concerning right now. Like, we thought going into the season, it might be a little bit tough for him in a different situation outside of Vegas. And, you know, Lankinen is there. And uh, there was that game where it looked like Lankinen was going to get the start. But then in the end, Flurry did get the start. And I wonder if afterwards, Carlton thought, huh, maybe I made the wrong call there. Or maybe they would have lost big either way. But yeah, rough situation now with the COVID. Though, I don't know, like, Pittsburgh seems to do well when all their star players are injured. So who knows? Maybe now Chicago is going to actually pull off a win with a top line of who would it even be? Maybe Tyler Johnson finally gets his, his way back into the top six because there's just no other options. Uh, but yeah, I don't really think there's much you can do here. Like, I don't even think I'd recommend streaming in a Chicago player who gets into a good spot because it just doesn't seem like this team has got it going right now. And I'd rather just stream from another team. And aside from maybe like Seth Jones, Debrinkit, Patrick Kane, Maybe Kubali can, you know, Taves as a this, the next tier. After that, there's really nothing of fantasy value over there. Yeah, maybe a, maybe a more interesting one. And we'll definitely get back to that game that Flurry surprise started, uh, much to Flurry owner's dismay, probably, because we've got some Red Wings to talk about. But uh, here is a team where the COVID news is maybe a little more interesting and valuable for us. Ryan O'Reilly was added to the COVID list. Uh, that's a bit of a hit because I know you and I both have Ryan O'Reilly in a variety of leagues. Uh, the coaches believe he'll be out for a full 10 days, which would mean four games next available on November 7th at Anaheim. Uh, he joins Brandon Saad, who is out as well. We don't have lines updated yet, so we have to make some assumptions. Make sure you're checking at game day lines uh, to get the latest. Um, but my guess would be that Shen would move up to be the line one center, or else he might be leapfrogged by Robert Thomas to keep Shen with Kairou or Bushnevich. In either case, it seems likely that Thomas is getting a nice winger upgrade, whether it's as the line one center or the line two center. Uh, that may also be an opportunity for Kairou or Buchnevich to get onto power play one, as long as they're comfortable with Shen taking faceoffs. Uh, what do you think about the changes in St. Louis? 
Yeah, it's interesting. Here, there's definitely going to be some fantasy impact. The thing is that Robert Thomas has been doing a decent job lately centering Vladimir Tarasenko, who scored that beautiful goal in the last game, a little nutmeg, as they call it. Uh, Robert Thomas has five assists now on the season in his last four games. So he's heating up. I wonder if you almost like don't want to split him from Tarasenko and if you don't want to split Shen from Buchnevich. And the next thing you know... Who is going to center? Because the thing is, like when we say the top line, it's like Saad, like you said, is on the COVID list. It started as Ryan O'Reilly, Perron, and Saad. So it's basically just Perron. Maybe you just put Perron with Tarasenko and Robert Thomas and, and you know, move Barbashev or whoever down the line. About So it, I think it'll be interesting to see how things shake out. But potentially, keep your eye on Robert Thomas, because I do agree with you that he's probably going to be getting more minutes, potentially power play time. So for a short-term stream, he could potentially be pretty valuable. Yeah, Clem Costin was the other guy getting some run up in that kind of amorphous top six in St. Louis, too. So just another kind of interesting player to keep an eye on. Uh, and in Pittsburgh, just a quick update. Uh, nothing major since things are remaining more or less the same as they have been. Uh, Jeff Carter is still out, but is asymptomatic, and the coaches think he could be cleared by the weekend's games. Uh, Chris Letang is a little more concerning because he is symptomatic. So watch for updates. Um, but Wheeler has been in a similar situation. It's been absent for 10 days already. Uh, and, you know, unlike some of these other players who are inching closer to returning, we really don't know when we're going to see Wheeler again. So certainly concerning for those Latang uh, folks who drafted him, you know, maybe as their first defenseman. Uh, John Marino uh, offering certainly uh, some, some interesting deployment here for as long as uh, Latang is going to be out. Yeah, Pittsburgh right now is losing 3 nothing to Tampa after two periods. So maybe the magic is finally wearing off, or maybe just Tampa's a very good team, and Andre Vasilevsky's a very good goalie. But yeah, there's just been so many names of players. Like, this, there's like someone named Drew O'Connor, who I hadn't even heard of, and he's been, like, red hot. I guess that's what happens when Rust and Crosby and Malkin and all these people are out. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see how, like, Pittsburgh is able to now adjust to, like, even more injuries and more players on the COVID list, like you say, Jeff Carter. But as of now, like, you know, you brought up Erod with Ben on the last show. He's been I good. I so. say that. <laughs> I guess like Pittsburgh is one of those teams where if you're in a super deep league and you're doing streams, I've seen like Brian added Jason Zucker in a league. He's someone who we'd kind of left for dead last year in fantasy, but he's been doing decently lately. So Pittsburgh gets Tampa today. Then they go Calgary on Thursday and then New Jersey on Saturday. And hey, New Jersey, by the way, that would be the potentially sweet matchup because if their goalies are both still injured, then they might be letting in a lot of goals just like they did today to Calgary. So maybe that's a good day to stream in some uh, Penguins. Yeah, and just quickly, it does seem like Crosby's return is approaching. Uh, he's been doing some face-off work. He's been doing some work banging around in the corners at practice. So uh, really testing out to see how ready that wrist is to go. We don't have a timetable on that, but certainly something to keep an eye on. You mentioned the Flames. We've got to talk about probably the hottest player in the NHL right now. Uh, our next player doesn't want to help make the bread. He only wants to eat the bread. Andrew, Andrew Mangiapane is not about the health per life so far this season, but he is eating well. Uh, before Tuesday night's game, he already had five goals in five games on 16 shots, and he has added at least two more. Uh, certainly by the time you hear this recording, we'll know if we are, uh, you, you know, we had a successful hat trick watch here uh, for Mangiapane. Um, you know, uh, Dave from Stream Scheme, just another total uh, outstanding pick uh, with Mangiapane. Uh, hopefully you listened. He has four goals in the last two games uh, against the Rangers and then tonight, uh, Tuesday night against the Devils. 
you know, this is another hot start that I think you may want to trade him into something more valuable. I'm not really confident he'll be able to keep up this. I mean, obviously, he's not going to be able to keep up this pace. But even something approaching this pace, when he's seeing most of his even strength time with Dylan Dubé and some combination of Brett Ritchie and the ghost of Sean Monahan and seeing power play two time, you know, what do you think we should do with uh, with Mangiapane here? I mean, I don't want to pull O'Brien and be like a super like wet blanket or bucket of cold water type of guy. But yeah, obviously, if you streamed him in, great. If you're listening to Dave's advice and actually streaming in the players we suggest, you're probably doing pretty well with those bottom spots on your roster. But at the end of the day, Manjapani has been scoring like, you know, two goals on two shots so far today against New Jersey. He had two goals on three shots the previous game against the Rangers, a goal on two shots. Like he's not taking a lot of shots and he's scoring goals, which is really cool. And you could say, wow, he just has such a great skill of having great aim and being a sharpshooter but more likely it's unsustainable production keep in mind also he's not like getting the primo deploymento like who's he even playing with let me just bring this up here but i believe he's playing with like dube and and uh, brett ritchie you know so it's like it's not as if he's getting the top line he's not on the top power play so yeah if you can just reward yourself like congratulate yourself on the great stream if you grabbed him and then try to trade him for someone that might be more of a season-long hold that'd be great and it worse comes to worse if you have to just drop him you could you could probably do that too like you know but at the same time enjoy it for now and i guess uh you know good for him like he's a good player like i've seen over the last couple of years like people talk about how like this manjipani is not nothing he's a good player maybe if calgary gave him a really you know good opportunity maybe he'd really be able to flourish but that top line of lindholm goodrow and kachuk that's like a really good line and they've been doing really well and it doesn't seem like monahan like, like, there's not like good supporting people for manjipani to play outside of that top line so i really don't see the success continue continuing but pretty cool yeah and Lindholm has been on a heater himself he's got seven points I think in the last six games has been playing really outstanding but also shooting just unsustainably high you know Ben couldn't be here today but a uh patron asked in the discord group for some suggestions for someone that he might be able to flip Mangiapane for even before this two goal outburst here on Tuesday uh and just off the top of his head Ben listed a few people uh Bennett Fiala Marchiso. Barzil, Norris, O'Reilly, Hurdle as possible trade targets uh, with more sustainable deployment and more production. So, you know, get out there and strike while the iron is hot. Obviously, you want to enjoy having this guy. You know, uh, it makes you seem like a genius, but you'll feel like even more of a genius once he cools off and you've secured someone better. Yeah, I mean, that list you just said, any of those trades would be insane. If you're, like, able to flip Mangiapane for, like, a Kevin Fiala, you're laughing. And, yeah, Elias Lindholm, sure, maybe a little unsustainable. Like, yeah, he's not going to be a 100-point player, most likely. But, you know, he's playing, getting great deployment. Like, today, he just scored a power play goal, assisted by Gaudreau and Rasmus Anderson. That's the place you want to be on Calgary. It's not even, like, before where Elias Lindholm was playing with Monaghan and Gaudreau. That used to be, like, the best spot. This is an even better spot. He's playing with Kachuk and Gaudreau and on that top power play. So it's really good though i guess keep in mind also new jersey is playing with nigel dawes who got pulled and and now scott wedgwood is in net so it's not exactly the toughest opposition but not to take away from calgary's success so far today yeah no that's why we say you know take advantage while uh while you've got the opportunity here all right uh another group that has just been on fire lately and in large part with some help from some shoddy goaltending and play from chicago but the red wings uh, really exciting in Detroit for myself, especially, certainly as a Red Wings fan, uh, to have fantasy relevant players to enjoy. Uh, a lot of people, myself included, thought that that ship had sailed once Verana was injured for months to start the season. Uh, but Lucas Raymond has stepped into that spot and is up to seven points in six games, including a hat trick and an assist against the hapless Blackhawks uh, in a career high 1650 of ice time. Now, 
once again, like many of our players who are on these early uh, heaters, you know, he won't keep scoring on 25% of his shots. And there's always that fear that Blashill might move him down the lineup or even that he could be sent back after three more games. But I don't see either as particularly likely, especially because he possesses some pretty decent two-way skills that I think will help keep him from making the kind of rookie mistakes that infuriate coaches. Uh, so hopefully we are seeing Raymond, you know, make his permanent appearance up here in the top six for Detroit, even once Verona gets back. Uh, makes for some very exciting times in Detroit. Uh, Dylan Larkin as well is benefiting from Raymond's finishing. He recorded three assists in that game against Chicago to bring him to five points in five games. Also unlikely to maintain this pace, but you're, you know, when he's getting the assists, it's a little less shocking maybe than when every you know fourth shot that he's taking on goal is going in and I think that his chances of returning to that 60 to 70 point uh level are definitely seem more within reach are greatly improved after a pretty dismal season last year yeah like I wonder if maybe we also underrated the contributions that Tyler Bertuzzi made to Larkin's success right because Bertuzzi missed all of last season that was Larkin's worst season and now Bertuzzi also on fire and you were able to probably draft him uh, on for pennies on the dollar especially because the news came out that he wasn't going to be playing any of the games in Canada because he didn't get vaccinated so I'm sure people were you know even more averse to drafting him in their fantasy drafts but man he's got now nine points in five games two of his five games have been three or more points he had that four goal game to start the season now a goal and two assists in that game against Chicago so yeah Tyler Bertuzzi looking really good with Larkin and with Lucas Raymond all three of them are great and this is just one of those teams where any other line is doing absolutely nothing like I've got Pew Suter in my dynasty league and I was like this is probably going to be a pretty decent situation for him in the top six on Detroit like it's like no every single goal scored by the top line I don't even think does Pew Suter even have a point yet this season he's playing with Fabry and Zadine and no, nothing. Nothing for Suter. So what, what am I doing with this guy? He's going to lose his minors eligibility soon in my league format. And I feel like I'm definitely going to be dropping him before I take on that $3.5 million contract unless something changes soon. Maybe when Verona comes back, if then Suter can play with Raymond. Once you start thinking like that, it's like, just forget it. This guy's probably not going to help me that much. So yeah, obviously Bertuzzi is shooting far beyond you know what we can expect from him this season. He's scoring on almost half of his shots at six goals on 14 shots. But what's really nice to see is that the line is really driving play at even strength. They've taken 50 of the shot attempts while they're on the ice. That is similar to lines like Barkov, Reinhardt, Verhage, Stamkos, Palat Point, and Duchesne, Johansson, Forsberg. Uh, So that's pretty nice company to have. And those lines have been shuffled around a little bit. But, you know, that's the kind of production that you're hoping to see, you know, uh, maybe maybe not sustain this, but at least keep things moving in the right direction. Uh, Mo Sider has also been a revelation for the Wings. He's seeing 55% of the power play time on ice, and he's managed five assists in six games, including three on the power play. Uh, he seems likely to maintain about half of that power play time moving forward, especially with uh, Philly Hronik uh, and his fallout with the coaching staff. So Hronik uh, was scratched for a game, and he's back now, but I think uh, I think we're looking at the ascendance of Mo Sider and Hronik taking kind of a secondary spot here, especially when it comes to power play time. He may uh, see some very diminished returns on that power play time. Yeah, Brian and I were calling Hronik a snoozer on our patron cast on Wednesday, then more so on the show on Sunday when he was scratched for a couple of games. So yeah, even if he comes back, I'm not too excited about him. And yeah, Sider 
What a fantastic start. And potentially, I don't know, is he the front runner right now for the Calder? I guess there's a few options out there. And I guess Lucas Raymond would be another one. But uh, Detroit, uh, it must be exciting. They have two potential Calder winners. And, you know, Steve Eiserman, I guess, has never really said that. Like, they've moved from being in a rebuild phase to, like, a win-now phase. I'm not saying that they're in a win-now phase, but all of a sudden... Things are, are looking pretty good, and I guess we'll see how things shake out. By the way, with Tyler Bertuzzi, I'll just mention quickly, yeah, he has a super high shooting percentage. Just keep in mind that he always has a really high shooting percentage. Like, maybe not, you know, 40%, but this is a guy who last year was shooting 25%. It was only in nine games the year before, and the year before that, 16, which are both much higher than what forwards normally do. So I guess, I remember we once did an interview with, I guess, uh, must have been Prashant Thayer about the Red Wings, and he was saying how Bertuzzi's, you know, scoring on a high percentage of his shots, because they're like shots from right in front of the net. Like, that's, so it's like, those shots are going to tend to go in more often. So, yeah, I think Bertuzzi is going to be someone that people are going to be very happy with for the rest of the year. Just hopefully he stays healthy, right? This is what always happens with Detroit, right? Like, Mantha kept on getting injured. Bertuzzi's obviously had this injury troubles. Larkin himself, too. So just hopefully everyone stays healthy, and I think you're going to get a lot of fantasy value there. If Lucas Raymond's still out there, obviously, like, grab him. Like, don't even think twice. Yeah, pause the show. Uh, and just one more note on Bertuzzi's health. You know, maybe, like... Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood did. He'll decide he wants to go ahead and get himself vaccinated so he can continue to uh, chase that, um, you know, uh, scoring title here. So uh, we might see him uh, change his mind and, and go ahead and get vaxxed up so we can play those games in Canada. All right. We're going to take a short break here. Uh, hear a word from our sponsors, and then we'll get to Winnipeg, Toronto, and Dallas. You are listening to Short Shifts. All right, welcome back to Short Shifts. Elon, you and Brian spent a little bit of time talking about Marner on the last episode, and we saw lines get shaken up a little bit in Toronto. What's going on up there? Yeah, so on Sunday's show, Brian and I were talking about how, yeah, Marner's had this really slow start, and, you know, we're not going to be too concerned, especially because now he's, you know, playing with Matthews, and Matthews had come back from injury, and Matthews in his first three games had taken so many shots and nothing had gone in, and I was saying, yeah, well, you know, if Matthews scores a couple of those goals, I'll bet you that Marner would have had assists on them, and then we'd be feeling a little bit differently. Now, all of a sudden, that line of thinking doesn't really hold, because Marner is no longer playing with Matthews. Uh, In the last game, it was Matthews playing with William Nylander and Michael Bunting on the top line and then Marner was shuffled to play with Tavares and Alex Kerfoot and you know no shade to John Tavares he's an amazing player but he wasn't taking 17 shots in three games like Matthews is so I mean not to like sound the alarm bells too much and hey the Leafs lost to Carolina so who knows if Keith is going to shift around the lines a little bit again but I'm going to definitely be a little bit more bearish on Mitch Marner being able to reach those heights from last year if he's away from Austin Matthews so while before Brian was talking about all like the funny ways that people have been able to sell or sorry I should say buy low on Mitch Marner like maybe hold back a little bit like we were talking about Svechnikov versus Marner on Sunday show and maybe I'm the more alarmist person but Brian was saying he would still take Marner because it's like two weeks ago we were all drafting Marner higher than Svechnikov so why all of a sudden change our mind but I don't know after watching that game yesterday of the Leafs against the Canes uh, I think I'd rather have the guy that scored a goal and an assist and was on the top line and on the top power play playing with Sebastian Ajo as opposed to the guy playing with Tavares and Kerfoot and still doing nothing and that even when he's at his best Marner's not taking like a ton of shots right we really just need those assists for him to be productive so if you're not in a points only league I feel like maybe if other people are going to be coming at you with their like buy low propositions you know thinking they're going to get one over on you maybe you like let them think they're getting one over on you but actually you're selling Marner I don't know like again I don't want to be too alarmist to the people who have Marner but I'm obviously very concerned if he's away from Matthew so let's see how long that lasts 
Yeah, I I do think that it's going to be kind of temporary. We certainly, you know, had high hopes at the beginning of the season. Like, oh, well, you know, obviously Matthews is out, but at least Tavares is there and he's going to be fine and he and Marner will do all right together. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, so, you know, it's it's a double-edged sword, right? Because if the, the people who have Marner see him start to score when he's with Tavares, you're like, oh, well, that's good. But also maybe that means that Marner is destined for more of that second line time. But honestly, if anything can get going in Toronto, I think that's going to be a sign of things moving in the right direction. It is worrisome in there. Yeah. Also, let's just point out, Michael Bunting playing with Matthews and Nylander is a very sweet, sweet spot. And he's also on the second power play. Uh, get your uh, hands on Michael Bunting if you can. I, like, I'll take Lucas Raymond higher. But if you could have Bunting out there, he's likely available in more of your leagues. I think now's the time to pounce. He might turn out to be a season-long hold. He may have just seemed like one of these players. You know, there's always like every year in fantasy, there's these random players who get in a good line. Like, don't look any further than Nick Ritchie, who was playing with Matthews and Martin. And we thought that would be a good spot. And obviously, he fell off. And I think, forget about him but this Michael Bunting to me he seems like he is for real ish like I'm not going to guarantee to you that you need to like you know drop someone amazing for him and he's going to be a guaranteed hold all year but at this point I would grab him and if he has like a bad game I'm not just like dropping him and going to my next streamer like I would want to wait for him to have you know two or three bad games in a row and or obviously be bumped from the top six but he's looking really good so far this season another assist on Monday on that one goal that was scored by Austin Matthews I'm sure Marner managers were like that should have been my assists I've been waiting for Matthews to score to get the Martin no it was Bunting who was able to pick up that apple well you know you're working with a true professional when you totally read my mind about the player comparison i want to ask you so way to jump on that raymond versus <laughs> bunting i love it uh let's head over to winnipeg and talk about a player who has really picked it up uh pierre dubois really seems to have shaken the transition struggles that plagued him upon arrival in Winnipeg. He's put together six points, four goals, two assists with three power play points so far this season, and is seeing all of his even strength time with either Connor or Ehlers. You'd love to see that. What remains to be seen is whether he'll be able to maintain his even strength deployment and production when Shifley and Wheeler return. Uh, he's already seen his power play time diminish significantly in the last two games. He was over 50% the first three, and then he's been down below 20% in the last two. I am hoping that maybe part of that lack of time in the second game might be due to assisting on a goal after limited power play time, but definitely something to monitor, especially as Winnipeg moves back to full strength. Uh, this is another hot starter that you could maybe get out there and offer a trade for. What do you think? Is, is PLD sustainable or is this production fleeting? I would say fleeting, and here's why. He has goals in each of his last three games. He actually has goals in each of his last four games. So that's pretty great. Until you look at in his those last three games, each of them he had one shot, and he just score, happened to score on that shot. Uh, so this is like a Manjapani situation to me. Like, obviously, Dubois has a higher pedigree than Manjapani, and maybe I'd like him a little better than him, just because also PLD, like you said, is playing in a better spot in the lineup, so I don't mean to compare them exactly. But when I see three goals on his last three shots that like that's that's why we started keeping Carlson it was like the first thing we're going to look at in terms of sustainable or fleeting is let's see how many shots and how many goals and he's not a Bertuzzi he's not known PLD is not known to be someone with a super high shooting percentage he's last couple of years he's been around like 11 12 percent so I think that this is a you know if you have him I'm not definitely not recommending to drop him or to like just give him away for nothing but again like like those names that you uh, rhymed out that Ben suggested tried to trade Majapani for I don't think you'll be able to get a hit on those 
Eagles, but maybe for PLD, you might get a more of a bite because he used to be like a star in the league a couple of years ago. You know, he had that great 61 point season back in 2018, 19. So if you can get, yeah, Ryan O'Reilly, Kevin Fiala, I forget some of those other names you said, but I would definitely take a lot of those deals because he's not going to be scoring on every single shot he takes. Like if anything, you're a little bit concerned with only eight shots in five games. Uh, so it's kind of like what Brian was saying about Connor Garland on the last show, which I don't know. I, I, I find it a little hard to agree with Brian just because I feel bad about trading away Connor Garland. And so I feel like I don't want to become too comfortable. Like, oh yeah, he's going to totally bust. But like, obviously, yeah, you want a player to be shooting a little bit more if you want him to have sustainable goal scoring. Yeah, you want to root for those players you trade away to do well so that people want to trade with you in the future, right? True, true. Uh, and yeah, absolutely. I think you send your trade partners to Frozen Tools and tell them to look at those most common line mates and show them, you know, obviously that PLD is not playing with uh, nobody's like uh, Dubé or, sorry, but Sean Monahan. So I think that can make for a really appealing, uh, a really appealing sell. Can I ask you a question about Winnipeg? I want to get your opinion. I've been seeing on Yahoo that Nate Schmidt is like the most added player in like all of my leagues because he's still a free agent in all of my leagues. And I guess you can see why because he has six points now in his last three games. One assist, then two assists, then three assists. I think that means he's going to get four assists tonight in the game against Anaheim if the pattern holds. Uh, so are we like super excited about Nate Schmidt now? Like aside like those, by the way, all these three games, one of those points has been a power play point. Uh, not like too many shots actually like zero shots in each of his last couple of games two or one block he's not like killing it in peripherals or anything but he's you know picking up assists he's doing what Mitch Marner can't do so uh are we into him like I saw actually Lewis we're competitors in tier one of a couple and Josh Morrissey was just dropped recently he's going to be coming off waivers I believe tomorrow so I don't want you to give too much away but like if you had to choose between Morrissey and Nate Schmidt they're both like on the same pairing they're both playing on the same power play like they're basically getting equivalent deployment Nate Schmidt's the one who's been getting more points lately but obviously Morris is the one who was a lot more viable last night I shouldn't say a lot more viable but definitely someone that was on more rosters so who's the Winnipeg defenseman that you go for between the two so I think it should be clear that if I was interested in Nate Schmidt I probably would have gone after him by this point he is sitting there in free agency and it's because I like to take your sort of approach in terms of players I want to see them shooting especially uh, with the value that our league puts on shots. So that lack of shooting was really a uh, concern for me. I am heartened a little bit to see uh, that he's getting uh, his all of his even strength, all three assists he's scored at even strength have been primary assists. So that's good to see. He's not just kind of lucking into some of these. And, and actually, his power play assists have been primary assists too. He does have 100% IPP on the power play. Uh, which is maybe a little bit concerning, but if he is kind of taking on that QB role, you know, maybe that's really interesting. This was one of the guys who came over in the offseason and we thought that maybe he will make things uh, a little more exciting for uh, Winnipeg and sort of help them out defensively, but he's providing some offense here. Overall, though, I think I'm more inclined uh, towards Morrissey. I don't know if I'm going to end up putting in a bid for him or or, uh, looking for someone to drop, but I just feel like... You know, this this lack of shooting is concerning, uh, but I love these primary assists. I don't know. I'm really right in the middle. I, I'm going to cop out and say I can't really pick between them. Um, it's it's a pretty interesting situation uh, that maybe I'm just going to ultimately monitor for a bit longer before I drop anyone of relevance. 
yeah, you might lose your chance to pick them up. It probably won't mean that much because it's not Neil Pionk on the top power play either way. Morrissey's also doing well, by the way. He's got three points in his last four games, two of them goals. Uh, so yeah, nice to see some value out of Winnipeg. I guess people listening to this will know how they did against Anaheim tonight. I've got Adam Henrique, who I just streamed in today to unfortunately replace Ryan O'Reilly, who I put on the IR. Henrique and the Ducks play on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. So I'm thinking I'll take the three games in four days and hopefully the guy playing with Raquel and Zgrass is able to give me a point point or two over these next three days not make me regret it yeah i picked up a pretty hot troy terry uh in the keeper league that we are in together that ben is running so i'm also hoping for a little anaheim magic here elon let's head to our last team of the day we want to talk a little bit about dallas where we've got some line shuffling and an interesting outchery yeah, so finally, John Klingberg is back after missing a few games after the first game of the season. Not a, a very exciting return for Klingberg, unfortunately, versus Columbus when the Blue Jackets beat Dallas 4-1. to Klingberg played 20 minutes and 39 seconds. Only two of those minutes were on the power play, where he only saw around 37% of the time. So Hayskin was on that top power play unit. Uh, but no points for Klingberg. I mean, Dallas only scored one goal in that game. Uh, two shots, a hit, and a block. So I, I obviously will expect that Klingberg will still you know, be someone that you're going to want to have in your roster. This is a guy who pays for 56 points last year though dallas does not seem to be the high scoring team that they were for a lot of last season uh so far a lot of busts on this team uh you know tyler sagan you know more recently he has three points in his last couple of games so maybe he's starting to heat up but you've got your pavelskis your hintzes ben radulov all with those frost icons on frozen tools when you look at if the player is hot or cold and they're all cold so uh, not looking really good for any of these guys i guess uh gurianov got on a decent line and scored a goal recently but still we're looking at a guy with one goal in six games i know you wanted to say something about gurianov because you tweeted about him but overall uh not looking good I-, I feel like we're all just like waiting for jason robertson to come back and hopefully spur this team to become better at scoring some goals yeah, they need something because it has been pretty dismal. Uh, Rick Bonus even came out and said he had no plan B for how the lines were going to be set up, meaning he was not going to shuffle them regardless of what happened. He did end up shuffling the lines just a little bit, um, but maybe some Gurianov optimism there. Uh, the Dallas Athletic article this morning said that his play was one of the bright spots. Once the lines were shuffled, uh, he moved from a line with Hintz and Pavelski uh, to a line with Ben and Radulov. So that's a pretty good landing spot after the shuffle. Uh, he had four shots, four hits, and a block. And if not for a really outstanding tip of the glove save by Merz Lickens, who just was playing out of his mind uh, in that game, uh, he would have had a goal to show for it too. So I've uh, still got a little bit of uh, confidence for Gurianov, an interesting uh, stream. If you haven't picked him up yet, he still has Wednesday, Friday games this week, although none of the days until Saturday are especially busy. So I don't know how important those off days are, but just someone to keep an eye on there. I guess you can keep an eye on Gurianov if you're in that super deep league, but I honestly feel like a lot of the listeners are more wanting to get our opinions on, like, Pavelski, Ben, Hints, Radulov, like, the actual players they might have on their teams. They're like, how long do I hold on to these guys? Like, Rupi Hints last year was, like, over a point per game. The only problem was he was just injured all the time, but whenever he did, and it was, like, in a frustrating way where you never knew until, like, a minute before the game was going to start whether he was going to play or not, but he ended up with 43 points in 41 games. He's got one assist in six games. He has 13 shots in six games that's like just barely over two shots per game which actually is the same as the shot rates from last year so uh i don't know like would you it's hard to just answer because obviously you need to have some more context and everything but like are you expecting all these guys that i've mentioned like basically except for tyler sagan who started to heat up all these other dallas guys is there anyone in particular that you're expecting will be able to bounce back and be worth rostering like jamie ben was just dropped in tier one of cuckupful today and i was looking at him like am i gonna add him 
Like, I don't know. He's not doing anything all season. He has one assist in six games as well. And uh, not that many shots. Like, what am I seeing here? Jamie Ben 10 shots in six games. So, yeah, less than two shots a game. Like, am I really going to drop someone that I like to pick up Jamie Ben? Yeah, I think I'm out on Ben. You know, we've been talking about how players who use his style, you know, they burn out a little quicker. Uh, those big power forwards. Uh, I've been out on Ben for a while, but, you know, even kicking around, especially with the way these lines are getting shuffled, I just don't see it. Uh, I guess Hints is the one I'm most interested in. Um, he had some, you know, great chemistry last year with some of these guys. And hopefully we, like you said, we'll have uh, Robertson coming back before two line to give a little bit of spark to this offense. But no, it's been pretty rough. And, you know, I think Rick Bonus might be coaching for his job in the near future so he's going to be forced to make some uh, decisions about how he wants to deploy these units and they may be pretty interesting like we saw he already wasn't able to stick to his plan to you know not change anything about his line so uh, I don't know I'm not seeing it it looks pretty grim Uh, I, I maybe am just staying away yeah, I think uh, I may agree with you. I guess tweeted us at Keeping Carlson at Short Shifts KK. Let us know if you have a player that you're eyeing. If let's say you have Pavelski or Hints or Ben or Radulov or one of these guys, and you're thinking of dropping them, let us know like sort of like the type of player you're dropping them for, and then we'll be able to give you advice on whether we would hold on or if we would finally pull the trigger and let the player go. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Elon. Well, we are getting to the end of a short shift where our coach is standing on the bench hollering at us to get off the ice. So we are going to wrap things up here. Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, Always uh, a pleasure to be able to bring you uh, some fantasy hockey goodness here in the middle of the week. Uh, Please visit Patronize, the sites that we use for our research, Yahoo, Frozen Tools, uh, and Game Day Lions tweets uh, were big for us today. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short. I don't know why the coach is hollering at us. Like, I'm not gassed. I could keep going. (laughs) 